You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Vaccine. I wanna keep myself clean, I'm so organic Don't wanna cover my face, my smile lights up the place So please don't panic My social credit score is gonna be on the floor I would reckon The way it's going right now, the world will end anyhow Any second Yo, what is up, y'all? Welcome to another motherfucking episode of Kill the Mockingbird. I'm your host, Sean Chris. And uh, yeah, if you that first song I was playing, you know, a little intro. I like to play a little intro songs right before all that. And that was VBDC, Pure Bloods. Check it out iTunes, Apple, Spotify, YouTube. I got the video playing out in the background right now. You can't hear it, but check it out. It's awesome, dog. It, it, one of the, hey, wasn't it? I think it was number one, right? Uh, number one this last weekend uh, in reggae on iTunes or or Spotify. One of those two. I'm not the be- I'm not sure on that, but it's an awesome album. You definitely got to check it out. But yeah, uh, as you can see, like I have a little bit different. Um, it's not completely done, but we're uh, getting... Uh, the studio finish got some more, a few more things I have to do uh, to perfect it, uh, so I can, you guys can hear me better. I'm gonna try to have it so we can have more interactive videos, and I'm changing the format a little bit. Uh, when I say change the format, I'm still gonna do and dissect propaganda and dissect. Uh, oh, number one in the world, that's what's up. Uh, <laughs> which is flat, <laughs> but I'm gonna still dissect propaganda and show. Uh, the hypocrisy of a lot of the stuff that we hear in the news, but I'm I'm gonna do that first half, and the second half I'm gonna do uh, more of a deep dive on stuff. And today, uh, I call this episode "Conscious Manipulation," uh, actually because of uh, Edward Bernays, and I'm gonna break down a little bit of some of his quotes, and we're gonna talk about Edward Bernays after we get through uh, some of these crazy news clips. So let's get right into it with everything that's going on, um, you know, with. Because as uh, uh, with all like Russia, Ukraine, everything that's going on in that area, um, 
I've been noticing that they're trying to ramp stuff up. So I got a few clips on that, actually. I got uh, Victoria Newland and uh, a couple other things. And I'm going to start off with this NPR report, which is a two uh, a two or three-parter. And in this report, it, it's uh, the reason I'm highlighting is because they're talking about false flags. And, you know, uh, false flags have never been talked about. Actually, we also have a song with me and VBDC called False Flags, but that's beside the point. But they're actually admitting to uh, false flags. Uh, they're saying Russia is going to do it, but obviously whatever any other government would do, obviously we would do as well. And I think that this was pretty evident of what they're trying to do. The U.S. is issuing new warnings about Russia's military intentions in Ukraine, saying the Kremlin may seek to provoke conflict after a week of diplomatic efforts failed to ease tensions over the 100,000 Russian troops now near Ukraine's border. NPR's Charles Maines joins us on the line now from Moscow to tell us more. Charles, thanks so much for joining us. Happy to do it. So the White House came out with strong statements Friday, warning that Russia may be planning what it called a false flag operation against Ukraine. Could you just tell us more about what they're talking about? And is there any reaction from the Kremlin? White House officials say Russia pre-positioned operatives to stage a possible attack against Moscow's own forces or perhaps its allies in East Ukraine, um, all with the goal of giving the Kremlin a pretext for war against Ukraine. Now, now the U.S. clearly is issuing this information to try and keep it from happening. Moreover, the U.S. isn't providing any evidence, uh, which was seized upon by Russia. Uh, the Kremlin spokesman, Dmitry Peskov, called the idea of a premeditated attack unfounded, said it wasn't confirmed by anything. And whether it's true or not, uh, we don't know, but the U.S. has certainly expressed concern all along about what the White House calls the Russian playbook, in other words, trying to provoke conflict uh, rather than pursue diplomacy. Well, about that diplomacy, we, you know, we saw that there were hours and hours of talks in European capitals that really seemed to go nowhere. What can you tell us about that? Like, why the impasse? You know, Russia and the U.S., uh, together with its allies, are really talking about different things. You know, the West says it wants to see this de-escalation of Russian troops along Ukraine's border. That's we, what we've heard so much about. Uh, Russia calls the idea of a pullback from its own territory absurd and denies it has any plans to attack. And yet Russia is clearly using a credible threat of force to negotiate what it sees as these historical injustices coming out of the end of the Cold War. So Russia wants a ban on NATO membership for Ukraine. That's part of it. But it also wants this rollback of NATO to where it was before these former communist nations like Poland, like Czech Republic, uh, entered into the alliance in the late 1990s. So, yeah, like I said, how they highlighted false flag operations, which I'll show you more because I have uh, more of the clip where they just further go into detail of actually a false flag attack, what Russia would do to Russia, like attacking their own troops, similar to things that we've heard of uh, that has supposedly doesn't exist. I just thought it was funny to promote this war. They're definitely trying to uh, provoke Russia. They're provoking Russia and, and, and claiming, and usually what's the saying that like you say, what um, I, I forgot what the saying is, but you're projecting basically. Everything that you're saying about us is actually what you do. And I think that the uh, Russians have come out and said some stuff like that. I think uh, their spokespeople, uh, I'm not sure who what their state uh, state department is actually called, but... They were actually out there advocating and saying that, like, hey, man, you got like because one of the things that Blinken had said is, hey, once you have Russia there, it's hard to get them out. And they said that kind of the same thing. Once you have Americans there, it's hard to give them out. And and they were talking so much about these false flags. That's why, like, I was like, man, I got I, I had to clip it. 
And if you listen to the language coming out of uh, Russia's top negotiator, this is Deputy Foreign Minister Sergei Rybkov, uh, it doesn't seem like there's a lot to negotiate. We need ironclad, waterproof, bulletproof, legally binding guarantees, not assurances, not safeguards, guarantees. You know, and of course, the U.S. and NATO have called the Russian demands mostly non-starters. So the question now is what happens when and if uh, Russia doesn't get what it wants. Do you have a sense of how this is seen by Russians themselves? I mean, is there a sense of the country on the on the on the brink, as it, as it were? You know, it kind of feels like this is something no one thought was possible over the fall, but is slowly becoming a reality, um, you know, with President Vladimir Putin now talking about a possible military technical response. That's that's what he's vowed so far without elaborating. Uh, the U.S. also argues there's been this massive uptick in propaganda in Russia over the past several months. And, you know, yes and no, I think. I mean, there's always a lot of propaganda surrounding Ukraine anyway. Uh, but these stories of the Russian buildup were initially reported by Western media and then Russian media came in to look into it. And some of that, of course, is part of this kind of pro-Kremlin propaganda squall. Uh, but, you know, muddying all that message, on Friday, we saw the arrest of Russia's, uh, by Russia's security services of members of this ransomware evil hacking group. And that was at the request of the U.S. So you can understand if Russians are left scratching their heads a bit. Yeah. So, yeah, false flags didn't exist a year ago. There were tinfoil hat. Nobody did that. Governments are on the up and up. And now it's just like easily just, hey, let's they're going out there. Uh, they break it out further in the clip and they actually talk about like an act where Russia was going to attack their own troops and that they're going to plan it. I think it really has something to do with the Belt and Road Initiative thing. Uh, the Belt Road, like with China and, and all those countries are right there and such on the border. I think that all this has to do with trade and trying to dominate and who is going to be the new leader of the uh, of the free world or whatever they call it you know or the leader of the system in my opinion of globalists and i think china is uh really trying to push and show that they not only have their people under control and lockdown when they say to lockdown and they also have um trade that's going to dominate everybody and i think that's what these wars are and we're starting these proxy wars because they started ramping the Ukraine a little bit towards the end of Trump. like, and, But really, as soon as Biden got on there, you saw the foot to the pedal. That and the proxy war with Iran is something I think is that going to spark us off because they're, they're using the same propaganda. It's funny that they're talking about propaganda and false flags when that's what they use on us. That's how we got into wars. 9-11, like uh, Gulf of Tonkin, uh, what's it called? Uh, Operation Northwood, all uh, like uh, Bay of Pigs. We could go on and on of these false flags that not all were um, actually implemented, but there's something that they really want to talk about. And NATO, yes, is a globalist uh, uh, build back better because even Victoria Nunez talks about, I got a clip with her too. She's talking about Russia should build back better. But if you heard the one diplomat from Russia, what they had to say is he said, we need something in writing. We need something concrete, something that is like uh, could hold up in a court of law. The reason he's saying that is because when the Soviet Union, uh, you know, fell apart, there was a lot of promises made to uh, Russia. Uh, but they were all like handshakes. And then we were uh, as us as a country like, ah, we never said that. And I think that's why they're so adamant about getting some kind of legal binding document that will keep them. Yeah, they're going to try to do the uh, push Russia on their own January 6th. This is kind of the last NPR clip. I know it's hard to get through NPR because they're so damn boring, but they they talked a little bit about the actual false flag attack. So I want to go back to this idea of Russia creating a pretext for war. What what are we hearing from the Ukrainians? 
First of all, they're coming to grips with this cyber attack uh, on Friday that took out some of their government websites. It seems now not to have done as much damage as it first feared. Um, you know, meanwhile, Ukraine's military intelligence says it has captured intercepts about a possible plot by Russia to stage a faked attack against Russian troops in a breakaway region of Moldova. That's to the south of Ukraine. Um, the plan here essentially is to attack Russian troops stationed at a weapons depot uh, near the border and then blame it on Ukrainian forces, um, you know, opening up the possibility of a wider Russian incursion. Now, the U.S. has said it's willing to give weapons to help Ukraine carry out a protracted uh, guerrilla campaign if it comes to a Russian attack. And that's the wider concern here about this whole week of failed diplomacy, that it was, you know, always designed to fail and open a path for Russia to claim, you know, well, we tried negotiating and now all there is left to do is to fight. See, they also broke down. I don't have all those clips, but I think in this other one, because I have a clip of Victoria Newland. Um, if you don't know who she is, she's Secretary of State for Political Affairs. She has really been digging hard into this and kind of pushing it and uh, claiming that, you know, Russia is not only doing a false flag, but they should be focusing on COVID and not Ukraine. And even though that there's no deal uh, that they could set in stone for them. So this to me is just propaganda within itself that's trying to push us to tell the people that hey we have to go and help ukraine and, and we got to help nato because they need our help and that's that is a globalist uh unit uh same thing with uh, uh the un you know what i mean united nations these globalist um military units have nobody to really answer to when they just like kind of built it all together and i think that russia does have a legitimate uh gripe with not wanting us right there because i mean russia does it china does, not as much as us and they do it their different way but it's all imperialism when in the, in the end of the day like why are we still in the middle east and they wanted seven countries iran is the last one and they're also ramping that up so i think that people the guard has been changing and we're trying to get what we can at the last minutes but here's victoria newland let's talk you talk about uh, operations within ukraine we've heard today that this idea of a false flag operation uh, russia looking for a pretext to war they want an excuse to invade so you say well this is straight out of the russian playbook to try to uh through sabotage operations through false flag operations through blaming the other guy uh, to create that pretext to give an excuse to go in or to make it look like the Ukrainians were the aggressors when in fact the first aggression was perhaps even done by Russians against Russians to blame the Ukrainians. So it's all very dangerous and the way they operate is very non-transparent. And you know, they say the Russian handbook, that's a, a talking point they've been using in all these reports. Uh, I think it, I'm going to try to dig up the other video where she's talking about um, and there's a couple of videos of where they break down of what they were going to do. And it, it really sounds like a lot of the false flags that uh, America has done on itself. It was like, you know, attacking some troops that which may have happened in the Afghanistan uh, withdrawal uh, that that is alleged to some people that it may be a false flag, which it had the. Uh, all the precursors of what you need and it made people feel a certain way. All this to me is just to play on our emotions. Whose side are we on? Um, and get people back under that imperialist uh, fist. Cause I don't think they want us to, they want us to be divided enough to not see the whole plan, uh, see the globalist agenda, but they don't want, they want us to be united enough that we can, acknowledge we need to fight russia we need to fight iran or or whoever these threats to freedom and these threats that's why you'll see a lot of reports of 
Yeah, Isis K, like all those, the next uh, uh, villain that they uh, jump out with. Here's the last one I'm going to do on this Ukraine because this is Wolf Blitzer on CNN. And Wolf Blitzer, if you don't know, to me, he really got big during the uh, Desert Storm War. And remember, the reason we got into Desert Storm was because some diplomat's daughter went in front of Congress and the Senate. And she talked about that the, the Iraqis were going into, like, you know, taking babies out of incubators and killing them. And this whole horrific story that turned out not to be true, which would probably be a false flag as well that's where that's where we go oh we're gonna go in we're gonna uh, uh help them out and it struggle it, it pulls on your strings right you you feel like oh we got to do something that emotional reaction is what they want to get out of us what's the latest on, the, on this u.s intelligence wolf what has alarmed the pentagon from the beginning here is the multi-layered approach that the russians have taken from the beginning here it's not just the soldiers on the border or the tanks the military equipment it is propaganda efforts to justify an invasion. It is the presence of intelligence operatives, including teams that have the intention of assassinating Ukrainian political leaders. And now you have this latest piece, which is the possibility of creating false flag operations. In other words, sabotaging Russia's own pro-Russian forces inside Ukraine to create a pretext to allow for the Russian invasion. And now we're seeing all of these things play out here. The concern is that at any point, Putin, the Kremlin, pulls the trigger here, and then that would bring a full-on invasion of Ukrainian territory. Right, we always have to have a boogeyman. And right now, the one that they've been hanging on to, and they kind of like use uh, Trump to push that and more, you know, like, oh, Russia, uh, Russia connected with Trump. And I think some of that was just kind of too keep that into our minds of Russia, 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 whether uh, we agree or, or disagree on what they think, it's over and over that they're repeating it, that it gets into our head that then now we may agree to it. I just think it's something that we should keep our eye on because it seems like a lot of actions going over there. And I think that the, the Belt Road Initiative has a lot to do with it. I think uh, expanding globalism has a lot to do with it. And there's a lot of hands at play. There's a lot more to dig. Um, if you want to check out some of it, I would check out um, James Corbett. He's been doing some good pieces on some other the stuff that's uh, going on over there, uh, either on Substack or even check, uh, check out the Corbett Report. That's something I like to check out. <laughs> good looking. Now let's go to an interesting story about FedEx. Uh, FedEx wants to arm their planes with anti-missile um, uh, technology. To a request from FedEx to the FAA, the company now asking the FAA to allow some of its FedEx cargo planes be equipped with anti-missile infrared lasers for when FedEx flies over potentially dangerous contested regions. The defense system designed to divert missiles fired from the ground. The system would have to be approved by the FAA after ensuring it won't harm the plane or crew or other planes in the region. The company says it would help them having to reroute over dangerous territory. I mean, I don't know. Is it going to get worse? Is it going to? That just doesn't sound great. Like, how dangerous is it for FedEx? Are people trying to shoot down FedEx places over LA, Detroit, New York? Or <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just a weird story that I thought was kind of funny, but uh, really just i i don't know it almost sounded like it went with the whole war theme of like it reminded me of like world war ii world like you know where oh we gotta strap up our planes or we gotta like equip this it's it just something that sound out of the ordinary for me 
But now I'm going to kick it into some uh, good old COVID news. I thought uh, if you haven't heard the Fauci again, you know, the, the, the typical puppet show that, I mean, I'm not huge on Ron Paul. I'm not against him. I, I was a Ron Paul guy, but I just never, I don't know, I never felt uh, too attached to Ron Paul. I felt like he tries to play with the establishment too much. I'm not saying that he's on the establishment, I mean, but he playing the game. And, you know, we had that whole interaction with him and Fauci and everybody focused on it. But on this clip, it uh, was uh, Walensky and Fauci. And what uh, I forgot what senator is asking the question, but he's questioning them. And I thought it was kind of funny what they were saying. Interesting that they speak of um, the same things that we were talking about before the vax was introduced. Right. When we were talking about like, you know, they were dead like, hey, this guy got into a car accident. Oh, he's a covid death. You know, like, oh, this guy. It was really there was a Florida story where some guy was on a motorcycle and he crashed and they were like, oh, and he died. And they said he died of covid. So this little short clip is just kind of highlights the lies they'll tell and that like whether they each time they were saying like oh you know they're playing politics because trump well trump's not there so their excuse it makes no sense anymore and they just kind of use the same logic that we were using but in reverse walensky it's been reported by some virologists and scientists that this year around 170 people have died from taking the regular flu vaccine the vaccine advisory adverse reporting system reported that the number of people dying after or following the COVID vaccine is actually in the thousands. Now, this is what I'm hearing. I'll give you a chance to refute that or confirm it here. You know, is this true? Are we having that many people die after taking one of these vaccines? Senator Tuberville, thank you for that question. The Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System is a mandatory system of any adverse event that happens after being vaccinated. So if you get hit by a car tragically after getting vaccinated, that gets reported in the Vaccine Adverse Reporting System, the, the, their system. So the vaccines are incredibly safe. They um, protect us against Omicron. They protect us against uh, Delta. They protect us against COVID. They don't protect us against every other form of mortality out there. Do we keep a number of people that died following taking a COVID test from taking this vaccine? Do we have any idea? I'm just asking. I'm sorry, those who have died after taking died a COVID test? Died following taking the vaccine. Is there any number count? Do we keep records on that that died of just uh, from... Absolutely, yes. I, I couldn't give you the, the absolute number off the top of my head, but our staff could absolutely get back in touch with you. We, we collect those data. You know Dr. Fauci. You have any clue on that? I don't have a number, but I think part of the confusion is that when you do a reporting, if you get vaccinated and you walk out and get hit by a car, that is considered yeah. a debt. I mean, I that, that's the thing that gets confusing, that everything yeah. that happens after the vaccination, even if you die of something completely obviously unrelated, it's considered a death. So if I had metastatic cancer, got vaccinated and died two weeks later, that's a death. That gets I understand counted. that. Yeah. And every one of those is adjudicated. And, and she's, the, 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 man, it's just outrageous. She's insinuating that all this, like, that all the people that have had adverse reactions, not even just, like, what about, he's talking about death in particular, but there's tons of adverse reactions. And they're just like, well, they're, yeah, you got to count everything as a death. You know, like, if they get in a car accident, insinuating that people are like, only counting as deaths because they were in a car accident. That's the same thing they were doing when this whole COVID thing started. Remember, people were saying, oh, man, he, he... And then it found out that they had two, three, four comorbidities. And now they're using these same lies. But you got to remember that 
Walensky had came back and they had gave her a new PR team and that PR team has uh, molded her a little bit better. You can tell how she comes out now. Every question she goes, thank you. That's a great question. That's what like a lot of PR people tell you, try to put you into this certain spec. Like that's why they uh, intentionally miss. Uh, he, oh, well, I didn't understand what you were saying when you were trying to speak it. And especially when some of these senators don't ar articulate themselves very well and I, and they're trying to rush. But I just thought, how are they going to say like, oh, if it's a you know car accident, it, it's people are dying of car accidents and just so happens they also have the vaccine but that's not true at all and i think that the senators should have pushed more about the adverse reactions there's tons of adverse reactions to me the thing that gets the most worrisome is boys through 11 through 25 that are getting myocarditis and then they're brushing it off as it's not a big deal oh yeah you know they just go to the hospital they fix them bad up what, what's the lifespan of that some things i've heard is that some of the lifespans of having after having myocarditis is like five years so these are things that they're not touching. And obviously the mainstream media, we all know that they're not touching whatsoever. And, uh, and I think I'm going to go into the way back machine. This right here is a, uh, from 2007, a CBC in Canada report. And they're talking about the flu and how the flu is counted. To some other seasonal number crunching that's raising eyebrows, official figures on the flu deaths in Canada. The numbers are often cited as a reason for you to get a flu shot, but just how many Canadians really die as a result of the flu? Our health reporter Kelly Crow takes a look. As the fall days grow shorter, Canadians brace themselves for the chill of flu season, and with it the annual predictions of imminent death. 2,000 people, 6,000, 7,000, up to 8,000 Canadians facing death from influenza every year. Just for the record, how many deaths from the flu have been reported so far this year? One. When's the last time we had 8,000 deaths from the flu? I don't think anybody knows. So when the Public Health Agency of Canada puts this fact on their website. This is a scientific guess. This is not the truth because no one is actually counting deaths from flu. People may have the misconception that every person who dies from the flu is somehow counted somewhere, and they're not. Where do those numbers come from? It's all mathematical models. In this model, all deaths from heart and lung disease are considered possible flu deaths. And this could include people who died of a heart attack that had nothing to do with flu. But the feeling is, is that anybody who died of flu should be captured in there. They also count the number of deaths officially listed as flu and pneumonia on the death certificate. That gives the range. And by this calculation, the annual death toll from flu could be as low as a few hundred. Yet the experts don't tell us that. There's about 4,000 um, deaths due to influenza um, per year. And in a bad year, that can go up to um, six to eight thousand deaths. So quoting that number is a bit misleading. Well, it's actually a lot misleading. The, the truth is somewhere in between the high upper limit and the lower limit, and it's somewhere in the middle. How close to the truth are any of these numbers? I don't think they're reliable at all. Dr. Tom Jefferson has reviewed all of the world's research on influenza and concludes that fears of flu are exaggerated. There's no estimates, uh, no real figures on death from influenza. They don't collect that information. So if they don't collect that information, how do they know there's a threat? And if they don't collect that information, how do they know that the policies will work? 
See, the reason I highlighted this story and brought it up is because it really is the same thing that's going on now, right? Like, there's no um, reasoning of these models they make. Remember the model that was came from UK and a, a couple other ones where they were saying, like, 2 million people. Wasn't it that Scott Gottlieb or something? And they were talking about 2 million people dying. And these, they make these to ramp up the fear. And when they ramp up the fear, which now it seems like the uh, pharmaceutical uh, 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 ha companies have compromised everything that we're doing, you know, they, they, they are so huge that they are able to create their own false flags, it seems, or, or take advantage of things and ramp up with PR and, and uh, public relations and getting people, hey, look, at this is what the flu is. Think about this. I think America is the only country that runs advertisements on TV for medicine. You're, you're in, in every other country, it's illegal. I th believe that's us and maybe one other country, but in every other country, it's illegal. So we're just pill. They got uh, pill salesmen on or right after Tucker Carlson, right after uh, Wolf Blitzer, uh, all all the top people on every single major media. I mean, everybody saw uh, the the whole sponsored by Pfizer. So that just tells you that this is something that. They're going to constantly push. And, and this was back in 2007. So if they weren't really counting and they couldn't really tell, but they were still modeling for influenza how much and how destructive it was going to be, they can control the panic and push that shit around. So they do have pharma ads in Canada. Like that's I heard that a lot of places have strict rules. Um, I don't know. And uh, I think Australia is pretty strict on that. But they have rules against the pharmaceutical running ads. Yeah, magazines, but that they're uh, magazines, radio, and it seems to have gotten worse. Cause I remember as a kid, I didn't remember seeing so many um, like pharmaceutical ads. But then again, there wasn't as much of this mainstream media. Our mainstream media was our local seven, and you'd get some world news. And now that that once the CNNs and the Fox, uh, you know, Fox Newses, MSNBCs, all these huge conglomerate of news people, of alleged news people. Or really media people, because that's what they are. They're entertainment, right? That's what happened to Maddow. Maddow was proven in court to be entertainment. They said, she is. this is entertainment, so she could say whatever she wants. And I, I get it, because a lot of people use that entertainment umbrella because you can uh, escape the, the, the legal system and getting in trouble for saying certain things that you, you're not checking into. But then they're still saying that they're new, so that is technically false advertisement. And... It's something that uh, I hope does change in one day, but I think it is changing. I think podcasts and stuff like this, uh, people being able to just say whatever they want now instead of not having to have a huge camera crew and, and, and a whole cast of people to get things going. Now it's technology has also cut up for us, not just the, uh, the, the globalists and all the people that would like to do uh, horrible things like to this world, in my opinion that now it gives us the power to where we can get stuff out and we can speak to ourselves, speak for ourselves. Here's a, a story too. This is, was in Massachusetts. It's another COVID story. And it's kind of like, it was kind of sad to me because, you know, they had drug sniffing dogs. I remember in high school, we had drug sniffing dogs. I thought it was kind of overboard for it. You know, and then after the 9-11, you know, everybody, the drug sniffing dogs and the bomb sniffing dogs, which have not really prevented anything. But now in Massachusetts, they have... COVID sniffing dogs. This is Hunter. She's a black lab. She's 14 months old. And she's a warrior in the fight against COVID. 
Hunter received training to recognize the scent of the coronavirus. If she smells it, she will give a signal and then get a toy. Nothing found in this second grade gym class at the LG Norris Elementary School in Norton, Massachusetts. So she goes on to play with some of the children. But then Hunter is brought into the school library. Good girl. And while first graders have music class on the other side of the library, Hunter abruptly sits down. A signal bat. We do have some odor, presence of uh, COVID odor on this uh, bookshelf. She just, um, she actually just, just sat. Good girl. So what I'll do is I'll praise her, good girl. Let her wait it out a little bit, kind of dial it in, try to, try to narrow it down. We know COVID-19 primarily spreads through the air. And Hunter is searching there, too. And odor is almost like a cone. If you could picture a cone, the source of the odor is strong at the base, like it was on the bookshelf. And then the odor goes out into a corn store. This is Duke. He's Hunter's partner in the canine COVID patrol. This is the school cafeteria. He stops abruptly and sits, too. He just found something. And then, two minutes later... What did he find here? Same thing. So what happens after Duke and Hunter make their discoveries? We notify parents in terms of if we have information that a student is specific in that seat, we want parents to have that, that right to make a decision about do they want to test and stay the student, do they want to pull the student, or just keep an eye out for symptoms. In addition, after the detector dog makes a hit, the areas are disinfected. See, it's just like more torture that I believe that's going on with these kids, like, you know, you're you're putting masks on them. You're making them socially distanced. Now you're putting even more fear into them. Like, oh, I hope this dog doesn't sit by me. They're really making people scared of, like, having the flu or being sick. You're going to be sick. Uh, flus aren't going away at any time soon. There's going to be the common cold uh, forever. And now people are, are feeling ashamed for getting sick. You know, they're like, oh, man, oh, I'm so sad that I, uh, I I got sick and I don't know how I got it. What did I do wrong? I did everything right. And, and it's just a psychological abuse. Yeah, definitely. This fear mongering is abuse. They're abusing children as well as adults. But it's even sadder for the children that haven't even got a chance yet to defend themselves. And that's why I think they're attacking them because they're getting them young where they can mold. They're trying to mold their minds, which they've already tried to do to most of us and i think now they're using this strong fear approach even harder than they did to us and the the kids are suffering because you're getting forced through this psychological operation that's inside your uh you know your parents are pushing onto you and then you got now your uh students are getting pointed out for not being vaxxed and you're getting bullied for that and all this propaganda has made people believe that vaccines are the only way out of this like nobody's talking about therapeutics nobody's talking about how you actually attack uh influenza it's just that people are under this spell i know a lot of people have said mass formation but i think it's uh this whole fear that loses your common sense that you think that, oh, man, I might die from this. We, we have to stand and, and, and our life is going to happen, right? Like whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And this fear of the cold and the flu has is, is really taking a toll. And, and for the kids, especially like lack of oxygen with the mask, like I said, social distancing. Uh, they're, they're doing that whole like when someone gets sick, I don't know, and everywhere, but I know out here with my niece and stuff. If someone tests positive or you're around someone that tested positive, they send like pockets of the kids home. So kids are going to school, going home, going to school, going home, going to school, going home, wear a mask, wear a mask. It's it's all these uh, shit that we didn't have to grow up with. And I think it's much harder to try to be a critical thinker. And I think they're just trying to break them. That's what it seems like to me. 
But yeah, that just that was just another form to me of child abuse, in my opinion. But I got this clip of Dr. Campbell, and he talks about how it's good that the Omicron variant's out, and it might be a blessing in disguise. So that illustrates there very clearly in Germany. So what we see there is, um, and again, as we predicted, Om- Omicron is, is displacing Delta and is associated with less hospitalizations, less deaths and less patients being ventilated. It's almost as if Omicron is protecting us against the uh, ravages of Delta. Well, it's not almost as uh, almost like that. It actually is that. It's really quite, quite, quite incredible. And, and, and we know that Omicron gives immunity against Delta as well. So it's, um, yeah. So whatever you make of that, that's the data. If you don't want to accept my uh, interpretation there, you have to accept the data, I'm afraid, because that's, well, unless the Robert, it's from straight from the Robert Koch Institute. That's the data. So it's showing that it, Obviously, it's more infectious and it's less deadly, which we've been people have been talking, not even me, but many have been talking about how over time a virus breaks down and the virus is breaking down and it's getting weaker. And that's where we're at. And I think people that are still, you know, wrapped into this fear need to kind of think of those under the silver linings and everything. It's hard for people to I get it. I know everybody can't like uh, uh grasp what's going on and and grasp like because you're pumped in the fear but it's true like think about it with common sense like since when did you think about the flu the flu has killed people tons of times and like i seen people saying earlier in here yeah it, what happened to the flu it mysteriously left you know what i mean it, it it went into this uh uh extinction it was like what a thousand cases 500 cases when they're, they're in the 60 to I think I think it was like 20 to 60,000 is usually the uh, rough estimate. And with the gold standard PCR test, they've already said that it's ineffective at 40 uh, uh 40 cycles. They were using it at 40 cycles and and they said it was like 90 95% false positive. So all the stuff has come to light. I think the whole reason for this is they're going to ramp it down. Instead of they can't just unplug anything. So what they do is they're going to ramp it down and, and they're slowly but surely changing their message and they're putting in your mind like, yeah, it's not that big a deal. If you're, you're seeing people like uh, on uh, CNN, they were saying, yeah, why are we counting all these deaths? Maybe we shouldn't be like uh, putting it on screens when they had a huge billboard, a scoreboard since the beginning. And how do they get those? You know, like where are they getting their information from? So they instantly know when someone has passed away, like from COVID and oh, bing, another one, like that's where to me right away, I was like, well, this has to be bullshit. And then when you looked into it more, it showed that people, uh, uh, what's it called? That the reason why there was such influx is, you know, oh, a hundred thousand cases in one day. Well, that wasn't true. It was that the backlogs were so much that this is a month's worth of, of COVID deaths or, you know, uh, in the whole country. And, And these backlogs are just, oh, let's throw it all out. It's been proven time and time again, and I think that we just got to keep helping people because I think this is a mass psychological, uh, you know, operation that's been performed on all of us. And I think people have got stuck in it because I understand, like, if it's your family that that kind of gets you into that emotional charge. And once we're in that emotional charge, we're going to be more susceptible to believe it and to try to protect them if that's what we believe is going to do. But what I've been telling people, it's a dud. It doesn't work. I mean, I got COVID from someone that had COVID. You know what I mean? I mean, that had the vaccine. So if they can give it to me and I can give it to them, there's no point in trying to force us to to take this. And that's what I'm trying to highlight. And uh, 
to end my COVID, this is my last on the COVID. I, I only got, she didn't want to get too much on COVID. I know we uh, all get sick of hearing COVID, but this is a, <laughs> this in particular, this is in California. And this is about PPE waste. This is tax dollar waste. They're, they're wasting our tax dollars. San Mateo County workers are scrambling to clean up a mess uncovered by the ABC7 News I-Team. Several million dollars worth of precious PPE purchased with your tax dollars left outside in the rain. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ama Dates. And I'm Dan Ashley. Our Dan Noyes begins our I-Team coverage tonight with a story you'll see only on 7. He is in the newsroom. Dan, what a picture that is. Well, Dan and Ama, we all know how important masks and hospital gowns and other protective gear are as the pandemic surges. This seems hard to believe, though, but top county officials didn't know that thousands of boxes of PPE were moved outside and forgotten for months until I told them. I got a tip on a recent rainy day and went straight to the San Mateo County Event Center, Gate 9, and couldn't quite believe what I found. Thousands upon thousands of boxes containing all sorts of brand new personal protective equipment soaking in the rain. Stacks of boxes collapsing. Oh, what a mess. Too many to count. Some breaking open and spilling their contents. Hospital gowns in all different sizes. Here's size M. There's large. And of course, here's double XL. I also found pallets of face shields vented goggles, and various types of coveralls. Boxes upon boxes of PPE just rotting in the rain. How did this happen? Our road to some answers and accountability started with a security guard. Remember, the county owns this property. I'm fine. I work at Channel 7. I'm Dan Noyes. Okay. I'm just taking some pictures. Did somebody invite you to come on the property? I don't need an invitation. Pardon me? I'm a taxpayer. I don't need an invitation. If you don't have an event, then you are not supposed to be on the property. That's it. I understand. I'll be done in a few minutes. Okay. I'll let my boss know. That's fine. So here's the second part of that report. His boss, Dana Store, CEO of the nonprofit that runs the event center for the county. Why is all this stuff going to waste here? So can you stop filming? No. I, I work at Channel 7. I, I need to ask questions. I understand, uh, but um, it's not going to waste. It's damaged. It was damaged. It was damaged or it's being damaged now? No, it was damaged in a previous storm. Store would not provide more details. I later learned the event center moved all that PPE outside in September because it needed the space. And those big storms last October first damaged the PPE. It's not my property. I can't discuss it with you. But as the CEO of the event center, isn't it your job to to protect the stuff that's been stored here? It, it's It was fully um, taken care of exactly the way it should have been. It's very, very disappointing. San Mateo County Supervisor David Canaba disagrees. It's because of your investigation, because of your investigation, um, that we have to acknowledge um, that we made a mistake, and the public needs to know um, that a mistake was made. How costly was that mistake? What is all this? In just the past few minutes, a source confirmed to me the cost of all that PPE is more than $10 million. They also confirmed that a uh, convoy of garbage trucks picked up a bunch of brand-new PPE and took it to the dump in the past two months. That's a massive waste of your tax dollars that the county promises won't happen again. We'll see. <laughs> $10 million mistake. 
That's that's crazy. They needed the space, so they put it outside. <clears throat> when PPE was, or still, right? They say it's one of the most important things that we need in this pandemic. They're they're telling teachers. I saw someone say uh, uh, N95s, but I I know my friend was talking about that in their school district. They're trying to make them use the K9, uh, the K9 or whatever the K95s or KN95s, whatever the hell they're called. <clears throat> Excuse me. And all that that they're trying to get, and they just left it out in the rain, $10 million worth of it. It's like paperish products that are just getting ruined, and they're like, oh, it won't happen again. <laughs> what the fuck, man? That's It's just absurd to me. And I, I thought that was like, that's why I had to end the uh, little COVID news on that, because I'm like, so all this talk and this big talk of we need that, we need this, da-da-da-da-da, back and forth. And what happens? You just leave it out in the rain to get washed away. <laughs> So I'm going to talk a little bit to, uh, about, you know, not, not defunding the police necessarily. And I think um, what they meant by, like, defunding the police, and I think this is what it kind of looks like. In Texas, they're now, like, working on some new ways. It's kind of like those camera tickets um, that they used to have uh, on the stoplights that people were getting caught at. But now they're saying that they're going to have tickets in your inbox instead of getting pulled over in Texas. You see the lights behind you, you hear the siren, and you know you have to pull over. For many of us, this is a short interaction with a law enforcement agent. For others, it has been life-changing, like Sandra Bland's case. Pulled over for not using a blinker by a DPS trooper in 2015. I'm in my car, but I have to put out my cigarette. Well, you can step on out now. A stop that, as you can see, soon escalated. Get out of the car! And then you I will light me? you up! Get out! And left Bland dead three days later after she committed suicide in a Waller County cell. Again, it all started with what should have been a simple traffic stop. And that's exactly what we're trying to do here at Trusted Driver, is minimize those interactions between the motorist and law enforcement officers. Trusted Driver is a program that, in essence, works like the pre-check for TSA at the airport, but on the roadways. We believe that there is a time when a traffic stop is necessary, but not all the time. For example, you're driving and an officer spots you on your cell phone. At that point, type their license plate, right, your license plate into the system. You're within the trusted driver platform, and at that point, they, they don't need to pull you over. They could just send you a warning. Hey, please, yeah, I mean, get off your phone. That's it. You carry on your business. The officer knows, documents that, and it's logged forever. The system takes the emotions out of a minor traffic infraction. That is pretty scary, if you ask me, because that is just putting it to a level of where they're saying they could just imagine how many tickets they write now where they have to actually pull people over. And then from not having to pull people over when they could just put your license plate number in there and send you a ticket for texting, for, for rolling a stop sign. And you're not even going to remember what you were doing because at that particular moment, it's hard to keep a memory, you know, of like, Oh yeah, I, I was doing this. I wasn't texting. I was doing this or I was going 60 miles. Like, how are you going to prove yourself in court? To me, it just gives you, uh, Big Brother, more access to our data. And that I heard that, like, in California, I believe it was, that they want to start putting kill switches on cars as well. These are just, yeah, definitely clown world. Uh, uh, something that, uh, how are you going to send me a ticket in, in my inbox? I'm going to get an email that, hey, last week, two weeks ago, you were speedy. Nah, man, that's just something that I, I think is not needed at all. I don't think traffic stops are needed either. 
but definitely not this because this is going to be way invasive invasive to our privacy to end off on crime uh, i just wanted to highlight like you know i know there's crime rate in the chicago uh out here in detroit uh what we got in new york but in la it's it's cracking off let's bring in andy mccarthy now andy was looking forward to talking to you about this um incredibly important story affecting so many uh, so many lives. And this is just an example of some of the people that are affected by Gascon's soft on crime policies. Listen, you tear you tear L.A. apart by your by your policies. Your policies are garbage. Mr. Gascon seems to care a lot more for the criminals than he does for us victims. My son is dead. He's not coming back. Mr. Gascon doesn't have a compassionate heart for victims. I'm angry. Um, I'm hurt. It makes me feel like I'm reliving that day all over again. You let us down. You, you, you're letting the people of Los Angeles County down. If you don't believe them, look at the numbers, what's happening in L.A. County. Andy, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. You've got homicides up 48%, grand theft auto up 26%, aggravated assault, rapes are up. So everything's up and that's just in L.A. And I know I'm sure everybody saw like the pictures of like the train yards being ransacked. It just seems like they want this lawlessness so that they can implement either a federal police force or something because they need people to beg for uh, the, the answer that they have. They can't just give you the answer. They have to make the conditions so bad that you push for it or I push for it, that the, we the people push for these things that we don't really want, that we don't want to implement a federal police force. We don't want it. But when they tear apart their people's neighborhoods and a lot of people just go to work, they maybe not pay attention to the news. And all they're seeing is the crime rates going up. They're seeing more deaths. Um, They're reporting these just wild, random, you know, like killings of like I I heard there was a a young lady that was uh, killed in a furniture store in L.A. the other day. And and they want to take away. Yeah, you're right. They want to take away the Second Amendment and. That and enforce us into a corner of where we have to. The only solution is government, and that's what we'll have to take, and that's what they want. So, I, I it's sad. Like I'm not a, a advocating for police. I think there's a lot uh, that we could do to not just reform the police, but make it a more something that works for us, right? Like we don't need. There's not just a bunch of psychopaths. There is some crazy people every now and then, but I think a lot of the propaganda, uh, the government experimentation, and and the drugs they've brought over here has caused way more of it than than we have. So if we eliminate a lot of that stuff and through education and through love, I think that we would need less police, anyways. And I think the police could be part of that city and build with that and, and, and become part of that city. Cause you have to care about what you're patrolling. You can't just be there and say, Hey, I'm enforcing crime because then it becomes a job. And then I get it. Like it's just a job. It's not your area. But if you live down the street, you know, and you're familiar with all these people, I think it can make a lot of difference, but uh, I'm going to think that before I jump into the Edward Bernays piece that I got, I'm going to just think the this is the funniest propaganda I've heard in a while. We begin with a new claim about dolphins being put to use in the military. The Palestinian terror group Hamas released a video claiming it captured an Israeli military dolphin off the Gaza Strip, wearing a harness with a spear gun-like device capable of assassinating Hamas fighters. <laughs> so watch out for those uh, uh, those dolphins. They're, they're now arming them with weapons. It, I mean, maybe it's possible. I know dolphins are very intelligent, but... It's it's just like sounds pretty far fetched to me, and they're saying they're actually out there trying to uh, 
uh, uh, actually kill uh, Hamas. And I know Israel and the, the, their whole thing, but yeah, it was pretty funny to me. So now let me get into my little piece. I, I, I'm going to start off like this. Bringing entertainment to thousands of people. Through its magic, we are able to enjoy a combination of the radio, motion pictures, and the stage right in the comfort of our own homes, simply by pushing a button and turning a dial. These cells with their electrical charges are scanned by a stream of electrons, completing 30 pictures a second. Compare that crude picture with these of today, and you can judge for yourself how far along the road to perfection television has traveled. So my deep dive today, you know, I've been... Uh Rereading propaganda. Well, I'm using the audiobook I listen to it at work, and that's by Edward Bernays. Uh, and I think that it was something that is, if we're talking about propaganda, that's who you need to know who he is. He he's considered the father of propaganda as well as the father of PR. And PR and propaganda go hand in hand, and that's why the governments are able to sway this way and that way. It highlights it, it definitely because so what I'm going to start doing, too, if, when you go to my Telegram, Kill the Mockingbird Telegram, I have now for the first time I'm trying to make show notes. So I'm going to have show notes so you can listen to all these clips if you want to, um, you know, spread the clips around. They're just audio clips they're not video clips. But as well, I have like some information like I'm going to have uh, the audio book of, of Edward Bernays propaganda and, and some of the things that uh, goes with that, because. If you understand propaganda and yes, it's part of social engineering and, and PR, you you can really understand what they're doing. So, for instance, uh, I had posted this the other day. Uh, it was Edward Bernays and uh, he got hired by the Lucky Strike Cigarette Company and they were trying to get more women to smoke. Right. But it was kind of like society looked down on it, you know, because they were like, mm, you know, women smoking pregnancies and women just weren't really into smoking so what they what he did was he goes he used because his uh his uncle was sigmund freud so he used his philosophy uh, his psychology uh, uh lessons to get into the minds of people and he he looked like hey what is the most popular color right now well uh, in fashion it was green so he said make the the, the cigarette pack green they couldn't really do that. They were they were trying to like get back into that, so they got that green. And then he they with the re, the campaign they came up with was to uh, they were talking about liberating women, right? They were like, oh, isn't it unfair? You know, they used the what was going on in that time to their advantage. They were seeing that women were trying to fight more for their rights and being able to vote. So they used and they jumped on that, like, hey, you know, women should be able to smoke too, just like men can smoke and. That's the angle that they come out here. Here's a little clip of uh, that I found on YouTube, and it breaks down. He he kind of reads, uh, uh, what's it called? A little blurb or whatever from uh, the book Propaganda. The conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government which is the true ruling power of our country. We are governed, our minds are molded, our tastes formed, our ideas suggested, largely by men we have never heard of. In almost every act of our daily lives, whether in the sphere of politics or business, in our social conduct or our ethical thinking, we are dominated by the relatively small number of persons who understand the mental processes and social patterns of the masses. It is they who pull the wires which control the public mind who harness old social forces and contrive new ways to bind and guide the world. 
This passage was written by Edward Bernays, the nephew of Sigmund Freud and a pioneering mind behind advertising, modern propaganda, and the field of public relations. So, like, I, I don't know if you got to, like, I'll have, like, I'm going to throw um, some of these. I found, I just pulled up the quotes on Goodreads, and I'll, I'll also add that to the show notes so you can kind of highlight some of the quotes from the book. Like, here's one. Men are rarely aware of the real reasons what, which motivate their actions. So they understand, they, they used uh, psychology to get into the mind of people. That way they can really dig into people's brains and that's how you can manipulate them, right? What are they feeling? What are they thinking? Using emotion to their advantage. And Edward Bernays is the father of all this. And in Sigmund Freud, who's also like a pretty out there about psychology, and he used his methods to kind of mold that into PR, what, what now we call PR. Like, here you go. Modern business must have its finger constantly on the public pulse. It must understand the changes in the public mind and be prepared to interpret itself fairly and, equ and equally to changing opinions. They are staying in tune for what we're doing, right? If we're upset about something, they're going to use what we're upset about against us, right? They're going to play our emotions. They go, hey, look, it's a... Uh, uh, all this stuff is burning down. People are getting killed. Uh, they know that they can use that to now get us to push for legislation that might put us into a more of a even more of a police state than we already in and, and, and to get more surveillance and to get into this metaverse of what they're trying to do now. And I think studying Edward Bernays is something that. Everybody should know. Everybody should read the book, Propaganda. Like I said, I'm going to have it in the show notes. I'm going to post it on my Telegram so you guys can all listen to it. And, you know, here at work, I, I mean, I, I like to read sometimes, but I prefer audiobooks. It helps me when I'm working. I can listen to some stuff and then write, jot some notes down. But I, I would suggest looking for that book in particular. It's something that you need to study so you can show other people that they're being propagandized. Well, that looks like uh, pretty much, uh, I mean, I didn't get too much of a deep dive on it, but uh, that's how we're going to kind of do formats. I changed everything. Uh, hey, talking time. Uh, what's it called? I changed the format a little bit. Like I was saying, I'm going to try to just break it up with some news and uh, maybe have some second half interviews and do a little bit more deep dives. Hit up the inbox, you know, if you guys want me to look into something in particular. But I'm going to do it Tuesdays because that's the best day for me. Then that way, you know, I get my rest on the weekends and I can use Sunday and Monday to kind of formulate the show, get all the clips, put everything together. So that way I can be more consistent and try to get the news out there because I know there's a lot of people being manipulated and I'm just trying to break down and decipher a lot of this propaganda. And also, uh, uh, I am also a conspiracy therapist, you know, like uh, I think there's a lot of strange things that are going on in this world. Uh, and it's good to jump down these rabbit holes as well and see what's going on. So I think it's going to be first half kind of of the show, uh, be more of, like I said, breaking down the propaganda news that's in the news today. And then as the more shows progress, I'm going to try to break down bigger subjects that people are more interested in or even that I'm just interested in and kind of like go down them and have discussions. So appreciate y'all. Uh, don't forget that first song I played uh, in the beginning. That was uh, Venice Beach Dub Club, Pure Bloods. Go check out his uh his album right now out on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, go check out Fundemic with uh, VBDC. That's uh, also on YouTube and stuff with Anomaly. Uh, the one that I really like off the album is I Believe with Jaw Faith. Uh, that one's a really dope song. 
I just think that, uh, you know, it's good to see a truther. He was number one, you know, over the weekend. Keep that number one spot, you know. Uh, it's nice to see a little win for us truthers and getting some real truth out there. Cause, and if you're a pure blood, why aren't you going to listen to the album Pure Blood? Don't forget to check out my music as well. I got uh, Sean Chris, S-E-A-N-C-H-R-I-S, uh, Dystopian Paradise. You can find that on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and those songs, a lot of people that are telling me they like is The Mockingbird Massacre. A lot of people like My American PSYOP. You know, appreciate everybody that's been listening to it and spreading it around. And we'll be here every Tuesday. I know I changed the times a few times during the whole time I've started this podcast. But Tuesdays are going to be the new days at 8 uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. I'll be live breaking down the propaganda of the day. And like I said, inbox me or leave a comment on any of my stuff, like what you guys would like me to deep down, uh, do a deep dive uh, on, whether it be anything. It, it doesn't matter the rabbit hole. I just think that we don't want to keep just being bored with the same old propaganda and using the news and what's going on with COVID. So I think I'm going to end like this. I'm going to end with... Uh, a good uh, another uh, Venice Beach Dub Club song uh, featuring me. It's called uh, False Flag. So you know how we do it here. Wake the fuck up or get woke the fuck up. All right, I'm out. Hey, yo, look at this video, man. Does this look right to you? That's exactly like that video last week. Hey, look at that lady. Isn't that the same lady from the last shooting? Yeah, and she was also in that explosion. Ah, they're up to it again. Another false flag. People are running. Gunning, news chopper coming, another false flag seen on the news. People all confused, playing with the truth. Another false flag, people are running, gunmen are gunning, news chopper coming, another false flag seen on the news. People all confused, playing with the truth. False flag.
in Compton. Turn them into convicts. For what? To fund the Nicaragua conflicts. Just thinking, use your common sense. Flashbacks, social media hacks. The weapons of mass destruction were ever found in Iraq. Now go fact check that. Another false flag. People are running. Gunmen are gunning. Whose job are coming? Another false flag. Seen it on the news. People are confused. Playing with the truth. Another false flag. People are running. Gunmen are gunning. Whose job are coming? Another false flag. Seen it on the news. People are confused. Playing with the truth. From Reichstag to Northwoods, Columbine to Fort Hood, we cast up like Syria, masked up delirious, from Boston to Pataclan, Newtown to Park Remember Mandalay Bay? Ah, Another false flag. Hey yo, look at this video, man. Does this look great to you? That's exactly like that video.